Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. Welcome to another episode of Shoot the J. The day today is the 3rd of March, year of our Lord, 2020. I am sitting here recording this episode in my high-rise Chicago apartment, even though it's a studio on the second floor and we're just, out, well, we're not outside the city, but we're, we're not like downtown, uh, north side of the city in Chicago. Welcome to another episode of Shoot the J. Today, the episode is just answering your Twitter questions. This is my favorite thing to do is just aggregate, like make you guys do the work for me, ask me the questions, and then all I have to do is I honestly, for this episode, I didn't even do any research. A little bit uncharacteristic. I probably also shouldn't. Well, no, I guess it's good to preface the episode with, hey, I didn't do any research uh, on these questions. These are all going to be off the dome. Top of the head, uh, this is my opinion on this question. Um, so we're going to start with the Sacramento Kings uh, playoff push. So the question is, I'm already, there we go. Uh, do I honestly think the Kings can sneak into the eighth seed? Um, This is, I, I, I shared this sentiment. I've reiterated it multiple times. I did it again last night uh, when I was able to speak with uh, Doug Christie and Grant Napier on their show, which, f- let me get this out of the way too. I just got a tweet about this. People were mad at me that I only gave like a 10 minute notice that I was going to be going on the air. I didn't know until like 30 seconds before I sent out that tweet that I was going to be going on with them. And I'm super like, I'm, I was ecstatic. I was super, super happy uh, that they wanted to have me back. And it made sense. I sort of anticipated that after the Pistons game, that maybe that would be a possibility. But I learned basically when you guys did that I was going to be going on the show. Grant was basically, he texted me and I didn't see it for like 30 minutes. He's like, do you want to come on the show tonight? And I was like, well, abs- of course, absolutely, I do. And he goes, how about in 10 minutes? And I was like, oh, <laughs> excuse me, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So sent out the tweet. Sorry, guys. Sorry, folks. I'd love to give you a, a better heads up. But back to the question. Um, in terms of, like, strength of schedule, I know that despite the Grizzlies having, uh, I don't want to say commanding three-game lead, but with, like, 20 games left in the season, Three games is still three games. Like, that's still a a solid enough lead that despite them having a really difficult schedule moving forward, there's a chance that they could maintain the lead and they could slide into that eighth seed. Um, I think a month ago it was sort of outside of the realm of possibility to assume that anybody would take that spot from the Grizzlies. But with the Pelican surge, uh, after the addition of Zion, with the Kings kind of starting to really uh, hit their stride, uh, shout out to the Pistons for kicking that into them because it was ever since the the demolition of the Kings in Detroit that they've really started to turn things around. Uh, it was literally the day after that Buddy Heald got moved to the bench, and we all know that that's been working out really, really well for them. Moving forward, the Kings have a relatively easy schedule. You got the Cavs a few times. You got the Hawks. You have these winnable games. And honestly, the, you have a game against the Pelicans. I believe it's only one. There may be two. But I know you at least play the Pelicans once. Um that's obviously crucial because right now it's going to come down to the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Kings. And if you want to throw the Blazers in there, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see if Damian Lillard's able to like will the Pelicans, I'm sorry, the, the Blazers into the playoffs. Um, I sincerely doubt that that's going to happen, but the potential still remains. So with the Kings, it comes down to the health of De'Aaron Fox. It comes down to can Marvin Bagley be seamlessly thrown back into the rotation? I actually don't know the timetable on his return right now. Maybe that's information that is known, and I just don't know it. Um, but that was actually another question is can Bagley be worked back into the rotation? Right now I think the Kings actually have something really solid going for them. I think having Alex Len and Harry Giles uh, at the five has been working out. 
So you don't really want to rush Bagley back because, I mean, it sounds weird to say. There's not really – I don't want to say there's no need for it, but the Kings are playing sustainable basketball right now. So the odds of them, uh, you know, snapping their uh, uh, playoff list streak and Harrison Barnes getting a haircut, I don't want to say it's in their favor because right now they're still on the outside looking in. Um, if De'Aaron Fox is able to get his ankle right, his shoulder right, his abdominal, whatever he's got going on with like that abdominal pain, if he's able to get that right, uh, then the Kings, they do have a good shot. Staggering Buddy and De'Aaron Fox has been exceptional. Uh, as the conductor of the De'Aaron Fox train, I, I the hype train, I do think it's peculiar that recently De'Aaron has been, and I, I hit on this in my recap after the Pistons game, I do think it's weird that he's been utilized off the ball as much as he has. Uh, like, again, I'm just going to regurgitate what I already said. He's just used as like a vessel of getting the ball up the floor. And once the cab- the, the, the Kings establish uh, the like uh, themselves in a half-court setting, he just defers to somebody else to make a play happen. And I think you can chalk that up to, well, it's because he's hurt right now and they don't want to like over-strenuize over they don't want him to I, I mean i always find myself into these word salads and i never know how to articulate it they don't want to over exhaust De'Aaron fox until crunch time because he's been really good in the fourth quarter recently uh, if he's able to use his body and get to the line then that'll obviously be beneficial as well he's been distributing the ball well recently i think i've spent a little bit too much time talking about the kings want to move on do i think the kings can make the the playoffs i think they can i unfortunately do not think that they will Going to have to run it back next season, uh, try to bring back Baysmore, and see what happens. You're going to have to run it back. It's probably going to happen next year. I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I also think that most people are rooting for the Pels to make the playoffs, right? I think that's more must-see TV, uh, a Pels-Lakers first-round matchup in contrast to Lakers-Kings. I'm sorry. Even I would rather watch the Pelicans play the, the Lakers in the first round. This year, at least. Even next year, probably. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's going to be the Pels. I'm really sorry. But the, the, the Kings could do it. Second question comes from uh, Bucks Film Room, Brian Sampson. And now I love him. He doesn't probably know this. He's one of my favorite accounts on Twitter. He asked me, do the Bucks scare you? Now, I probably should have asked him to elaborate on this uh, just a little bit because I think the question confuses me a little bit. As a Pistons fan, do the Bucks scare me? Yes, because we haven't beaten them in like three years. I think we're like oh for our last 12. It's something outlandish. It's something absurd. We just cannot beat the Milwaukee Bucks. But I think the question is, as a basketball fan, uh, if I'm rooting for a team that is in a contending position, if I'm a Sixers fan, if I'm a Celtics fan, if I'm a Heat fan, which if I'm a Heat fan, I don't think the Bucks scare me very much right now, given what happened last night. If I'm a Lakers fan, Clippers fan, if I'm a fan of a contending team, do the Milwaukee Bucks uh, scare me as we move into the playoffs? The answer should be a resounding yes. I think if you're saying no, it's because you're also Raptors. I don't want to. I don't want to not include the Raptors. Probably should have said them over the Heat. Anyways, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry, still recovering over my sickness. I think Grant Napier just texted me. Ha, huh, Grant Napier. Ah, look at that. What was look? Look at the timing on that. I'm not going to read it out loud. Grant literally just texted me. Shout out to Grant Napier. Um. The answer should be a resounding yes. If you're saying that the Bucks don't scare you, if you think that in a seven-game series your team uh, has better than like a 50% chance uh, at winning, you are being disingenuous. That is insincerity at its peak, and you are an unequivocal moron. Top to bottom, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, have probably the most complete roster. Um, I think it's weird that they sort of do have some weaknesses. Like if you're putting Ilyasova in the rotation, that's like a weakness. Like there's actually uh, you can there's like you can look specifically at a player and say okay that's where we need to go whoever 
is uh, whoever like the matchup is with Ilya Silva. That's where you need to play your offense through. That's who you need to go through because he's going to give Ilya Silva buckets. So I don't really like that the Bucks have a weakness. It feels weird saying that because I feel like all year we haven't really been able to say um, that there is like a weakest link on the chain of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so maybe top to bottom minus Ilya Silva uh, defensively because he's been terrible. A guy who like has led the league in charges what last year actually I think it was and maybe even the year before that. Um, it's like always has been his saving grace. I just don't have fun watching Ilya Silva play defense. I don't know if this is like a consensus thing. I really don't enjoy it at all. Um, the one thing obviously that has sort of been the Achilles heel of the Bucks this year is defending the perimeter. feels like in the nine times that they've lost this season, what five or six of those games have been the, the reason that they lost is because of their inability to defend the perimeter. So that's why I've been saying a team like Miami, I think is a scarier individual matchup for the Bucks than, say, Philadelphia, which I feel like most people think that the biggest threat to the Bucks' uh, path to the finals is the Philadelphia 76ers, which especially right now without Ben Simmons, I, I don't really know how true that is. I would say right now it's either Toronto or Miami, and you're probably thinking, Nick, are you forgetting about Boston? I'm not, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and, and just leave it at that. Moderator James asks is christian wood a candidate for the most improved player of the year and i think the easiest way to articulate this is great question james uh no i've been seeing that thrown around a lot recently and i just don't i think i get it but are we just sweeping brandon ingram under the rug because it should be a foregone conclusion that brandon ingram is just going to run away with that award i don't know if there's ever been a unanimous most improved player if there has not been Give it to Brandon Ingram. He deserves to be the first one. Uh, how do the Pistons land either Brandon Ingram or Devin Booker? This is another question. Uh, how can we do it or will it into happening? I don't really think you can will that into existence. I think, like, you're not going to get Book. And I realize that you know that when you ask this question, it's a long shot. Um, the only way you're going to get Brandon Ingram is if for some reason the Pelicans decide that they don't want to match an offer sheet. Uh, can I please explain why Andre Drummond is not a Piston? Um, probably shouldn't have even read that one. It's because he was traded. I understand what you're asking, but we've talked about this a hundred times because he was traded. Uh, will the rest of the NBA get mad at James Harden for saying that Giannis has no skill? I think people like the idea of there being like beef or drama between two of the NBA's best players like the players do but I don't think any of them are really gonna like outside of maybe the Bucks players I don't think too many people are gonna come to the defense of Giannis and I don't really know why that would be but it's not gonna happen uh, another Bucks question will Dante DiVincenzo be a starter next year slash take that next step in his skill set it would be slightly disingenuous for me to say no, I feel like, just because for the last year and a half, uh, more specifically with these last six months, I've been a guy who I watched Dante DiVincenzo and I was always, I just didn't get it. Like dating back to like last year, um, I, Bucks fans have been so high on DiVincenzo and I just never understood it. I was like, yeah, he was really good in the national championship game against Michigan and like, that's it. Nope. Uh, I'm notoriously, I feel like, I think I say this like all, every other episode. If I'm wrong about something, I'll put a hand up and say I was wrong about something. I think I've said this year alone, like three different times, how wrong I was about Dante DiVincenzo. It goes way beyond his shooting. I believe it was the Celtics game 
DiVincenzo was just giving Marcus Smart buckets, like one of the best NBA's best on ball, one of the NBA's best on ball defenders. I think it was the second quarter. DiVincenzo was just lighting him up. I think he hit like three or four threes. That was like I think the moment that I was finally like, okay, like Dante DiVincenzo is real. Uh, it goes beyond his shooting, uh, his playmaking ability on offense. Like he can be a primary ball handler in a secondary unit. Uh, his defense is it's fine. Like I'm not mad if Dante DiVincenzo is on, you know, uh, in like a one-on-one matchup. I'm not really worried that he's just going to get eaten alive. Um, Dante DiVincenzo is exceptional in terms of being a starter. It's, it's, I mean, it's possible in terms of taking another leap. I just don't really know where that would be. I don't know what that leap would be. I, and if he doesn't, then it's fine. Like it, Dante DiVincenzo could stay the same for the rest of his career. And I think the Bucks would find themselves uh, in a really, really good position. Next question from Ryan King is Giannis as far ahead in the MVP race as everyone else is acting like. Um, yes. And I, I think I think we've talked about this enough, or I have, that and in a very respectful way to Ryan, because it is a good question. Um I don't really know what there is that I can say that hasn't a already been said before by other talking personalities or just by me in general. Yes. Um, I think because obviously LeBron is like, if you, if you're like the disparity between markets is so vast that obviously it's, it's really easy for people to put LeBron in the conversation. And I think what sucks about LeBron being in the conversation and probably not going to be the winner is there have been so many years in the last decade that LeBron has been the best player on the planet and he just hasn't won MVP. And so now that he's finally back in the conversation, it's frustrating to me that he's not going to win because it's like he really deserves to have more than, what, three I think he has? He deserves more than that. Like He's kind of like Michael where he should probably be, probably be winning every single year. And it sucks to me that we have to just sort of keep the same energy that we've kept in the past and – give it to somebody that's like not named LeBron. So I think that's kind of annoying. Friend of the program, Aaron Burkhart. He rattled off four questions for me. Aaron, I'm going to answer every single one. Aaron Burkhart was on, I believe, three episodes ago, three or four. It might be like five episodes ago by now. We talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers. He asked me four questions. Is Jetty Osman a good person? Uh, Yes. I just don't think he's a good basketball player. Is Kevin Porter Jr. kind of good? And I can understand, I, I can hear the cadence that Aaron asked this question in. Like, is Kevin Porter Jr. like kind of good? Yeah. If Because I know that's how you're asking it, I'm going to say yes. Am I still glad that the Pistons didn't draft him? Yes, I am. Who is my favorite underappreciated player of all time? Favorite underappreciated player? Jeff Green, right? I think that's the, that's the on-brand answer for me. Do I believe that it wasn't too long ago that the Cavs were good at basketball. Wow, okay, I didn't actually read that question in its entirety until just now. So do I believe that it wasn't too long ago that the Cavs were good at basketball? That's actually a great question. <coughs> Excuse me. It is weird that it was literally four years ago that the Cavs were – well, it was – you could say it was three years ago. that, Or no, it was two years ago that LeBron was at his last year. It was three years ago that the Cavs were good. And then it was four years ago that they had the 3-1 lead. Yeah, it is weird. That just a few years ago, like, the Cavs were fine, and then they drafted Colin Sexton, and ever since, they've been... Well, Colin Sexton's been amazing, so I don't want to correlate Colin Sexton being drafted by the Cavs. It's a very easily and obviously the fact that LeBron left, but it it is... I don't know how to word this without it sounding like I'm not kidding. 
So I'm just going to move past it. But uh, Colin Sexton has been amazing recently. Yeah, Aaron, especially for you, I feel like, and I'm speaking directly to Aaron here, it is sad that it wasn't that long ago that the Cavs were actually really good at basketball. And now uh, just nobody really cares about it. If the Pistons decided to, next question, if the Pistons decided that they want to go all in on this draft class, discuss the options of moving back, trading assets, and what would I do essentially? I think, and I'm going to answer this very quickly, I think if they wanted to do that, I think they would have already done it. I think that they would have, like Ed Stefanski's comment that they didn't want to just get a second, a late second round pick, which would be attached to a name, attached to someone that they can't put a name to, I think is really telling about his mindset, and it's really weird. But I think if they wanted to acquire more draft capital or you know anything, I think they probably would have already done that. And I think buying out Reggie and buying out Markeith shows that they weren't really that motivated uh, in, in acquiring more draft capital. There was another question in here that I can't find right now. So I'm just going to keep talking until I find it. Uh, here's another question from Taylor Schultz. Would I rather have Harry Giles or Ma- Marvin Bagley long-term? I don't feel comfortable answering that question because I feel like I'm going to get lit up no matter what I say. So right now, because I know Harry Giles saw my post-game recap and responded positive to it, positively to it, I'm going to say Harry Giles, and I don't actually know if I agree with that. Uh, final question. This is the last question we're going to do. We're running a little bit long here, folks. Is Dwayne Casey the right coach for the rebuild? And I actually wrote about this uh, earlier today. So go to if you go to my Twitter, if you go to Piston Powered, you'll see that I actually wrote about this today. Dwayne Casey moving forward as the Pistons coach uh, in a rebuild. It makes sense, but it also doesn't make that much sense. Like I could see if 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 Dwayne Casey winds up not being the coach, it'll be because there's some amicable decision. They have like a mutual breakup, and they just kind of go their separate ways. Because Dwayne Casey didn't sign a five-year, $35 million contract to just lose to everybody. That's not why he's here. He was brought here under the impression that he was going to try to return Detroit to, to their contending form uh, and, and, and make consistent pushes for the playoffs and eventually try to win a few playoff series. Right now, obviously, through no fault of his own, the injury bug that's been plaguing his tenure, it's, it's, it goes beyond his control. It's not his fault. If he is to leave, which I don't really think fans should rule out because it's, it's, I think it's, it's possible that he just decides, I don't really want to do this again. I don't really want to do the whole rebuild thing again. It also makes sense for Detroit to, look, if they have a new roster, right, if they're trying to get new faces in, they're trying to sort of just, just change up the culture a little bit, have a new team, rebuild, blow it all up, whatever, it would make sense that they would bring in a new coach, a new face, to mold this new team into whatever they want it to be, right? I think I think I articulated that in a way that makes sense because I, 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 I can't quite expand on it in a way that I feel like I wouldn't just repeat the exact same thing that I said, but it just feels like if you're throwing out this, uh, this like old crusty Play-Doh, right, and you get a new ball of clay, it would make sense to bring someone in to mold that clay 
in the proper this is such a terrible analogy goodness gracious do i think Dwayne casey's the right coach for the rebuild well one of the reasons that he was such a hot commodity coming out of toronto was because of his player development skills and that's something that we've seen now whether you want to admit it or not has been on display this year svima kyluk's uh shot making ability his ball handling ability bruce brown his like elevated play at point guard which you can you can chalk up to Dwayne casey's skills if you want if you don't, I also wouldn't disagree with you because he played point guard at Miami. This is something that was already in his bag. Excuse me. But Dwayne Casey was giving him the opportunity to showcase that. And although recently he did say that he doesn't really want Bruce Brown playing point guard, that's kind of where I'm like, if you don't want to credit that to Dwayne Casey, that's fine because he clearly doesn't want Bruce playing point guard. Even Thon Maker... His like resurgence ever since the February 6th trade that sent Andre to Cleveland. Uh, Christian Wood's been off the charts, which the way that Christian Wood's been playing, especially since February 6th, is really no different than how he was playing a season ago to wrap up the year in New Orleans. Like It's just sort of a continuation of that, like 365 days later. If Dwayne Casey's going to remain the coach uh, in Detroit, I'm not particularly mad about it if he leaves. Also not really particularly mad about it because he's been dealt a pretty bad hand. Um, I do want to end with this, though, because I feel like I just haven't talked about uh, Colin Sexton uh, in a way that is, I don't know. Man, I am just all out of source today. Colin Sexton over the last four games has been averaging 27 a game, okay, on 55% shooting and almost 60% from three. And now, granted, he's been averaging also like three boards and like three rebounds. He's put up 30 in two of those games. Colin Sexton is, uh, it's kind of annoying to me that the Cavs are just like buying in the J.B. Bickerstaff. And I have not watched a Cavs game. I've only watched film on like film afterwards, right? So I'm not really paying attention to like their energy and how they're reacting to anything that J.B.'s instilling. But hey, man. Colin Sexton's been playing really well, so I'm happy. Like, the fact that he's shooting almost 60% from three over the last four games, like, the one, the biggest criticism that I and so many others have had with Colin Sexton is how bad he is at just shooting the basketball. But he's been really good recently. Shout-out to Colin Sexton. Shout-out to the Cleveland Cavaliers and their fans, like the friend of the program, Aaron Burkhart. Um, folks, if you made it this far, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, if you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to rate and review the show. If you didn't like it, DM me personally, and I will see to it that your demands are met for the show. I, you know, I didn't talk about Lonzo in this episode. Maybe I'll reserve that for a future one. I meant to bring him up because I, I, I'm trying to decide if he's made a substantial enough leap that we can like look at Lonzo and be like, okay, you're actually really good. And you know what? I think I may just, I think I I may just hold off and talk about this later. Cause we're running a bit long and I don't want to, I don't want to keep you guys shout out to Lonzo ball for being like really fun to watch these last, like what, what would you say? Like maybe two months. I wouldn't quite say two months. I'd say like month and a half Brandon or not Brandon Ingram. Lonzo ball has been really fun to watch. Alrighty folks. Once again, if you made it this far from the bottom of my heart, thank you very, very much. And I will catch you guys in the next one.